Welcome to HeartSpeak Podcast, episode 211, Fifth Dimensional Awakening. Welcome to the HeartSpeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you're in the world, it's good to be back with you. And certainly, I feel better since we've had that full moon, which was conjunct Chiron, the healer, and since Pluto has started moving forward again. Feels as if a dam burst and the energy is moving. Yes, there's still a lot of chaos in the world, but it felt that I wasn't taking it all on myself. Things, I'm moving, I'm flowing, I'm seeing possibilities, I'm seeing change. And I hope you felt the same. I certainly was having some very interesting dreams and was feeling very tired last week. I'm feeling that sorting itself out. And today I wanted to talk about where we've come from, where we're going, where we are, in terms of dimensions, in terms of densities, in terms of races. And this is quite a complex subject that I'm putting your way, and I hope that you will stay with me. This is one of those times when I would like to have visual aids, and I don't really want to bring those in because many of you are just listening to me. So use your imagination. I hope I can describe this in a way that will open doors for you, make things clearer, and, as I say, awaken what really is unity consciousness, that fifth dimension. So we're going to work towards that. And part of my reason for doing that is last week I described this bridge that is between the third and the fifth dimension. And I talked about the fourth dimension being that bridge where there's a lot of imagination, creativity, emotion, stories, and how we had to sort that out. But I realized I jumped a little bit in assuming you might know what the fifth dimension was. So we're going to take a few steps back and hopefully I'll help to put things in place for you. So I start by saying we are divine beings. Our souls are divine beings. We are connected to the oneness, and the oneness exists there in the fifth dimension, but really all those dimensions are part of the oneness. So some might describe that dimensions only go up to the 11th, which is what the scientists tend to talk about, but they're including what we call time-space dimensions, i.e. they can define them through experiments on time and space. But I've often heard that we have more than 20, more than 30 dimensions, and who knows? But dimensions, if we just take away that word, because sometimes we think, wow, how do I see that? They're just different frequencies. And they're frequencies occurring at ways in which we may not be able to define them with our physical eyes or our ears, but they're all happening at once. So Let's use the word frequencies if you want, if that helps you to understand dimensions. And all of those frequencies are interacting with each other at this moment. So you don't have to go anywhere to be a multidimensional being. You're already there. What we're talking about is how do we live as a multidimensional being? How do I live as a fifth dimensional, fourth dimensional, third dimensional being? And it's not about moving, it's about an awareness, a resonance with those different frequencies. All right. So if I just want to make it very simple, and I'll try and make it simple, 
there is a first dimension, which is really just what we often define as a dot. It's just, it just is present. And you might say, how do I see myself as a dot? Well, it's just, it just is. The second dimension is often described as the energy, the beginning energy of creation. We might call that dragon energy, telluric energy, the energy of the earth. And it's flowing all the time. Third dimension is when you put those two together, the dot, which you could say is intention, and, and then the second dimension is energy or frequency, creates a third dimensional world. What is that third dimensional world? Well, some in physical terms might call it length, depth, and breadth. But it's, it's literally, I might say, it's just something that says, okay, we need three different parameters in order to create something. All right, I don't want to get too, too lost on that, but you could say your three-dimensional world has, has a life force in it. It has an intention to create that, but that's about all. It has no means of doing anything else. So everything is vibrational because it has this second dimension in it, but that's it. That's, that's all it is. It's a vibrational entity. We move into the fourth dimension, and that's when things became interesting. Because if we just see as ourselves as a vibrational, physical being, we can't transform, we can't adapt from that place. We just stay as we are. So that fourth dimensional world was the world of creation, imagination, emotion, where something went from being just as it was to being able to be transformed. And to me, that's what we are as human beings. We have that gift to create, but also transform. And we do it through what we might take for granted is our imagination. So if I said, okay, it's, um, it's raining outside, but can you imagine a sunny day all of a sudden, your mind takes this rainy day. Suddenly, we've developed a sun or the clouds have cleared. Now I've got a sunny day. So I can imagine something into existence. Yes? And we're doing that all the time. We don't realize that that pool of imagination is what allows us to transform an idea into something else. Now, be very clear if you've never known a sunny day, you can't imagine it. And, and that's the interesting part where we look at if someone has never seen something and someone uses, used to, a friend used to say, you've never seen that color, it's impossible to see it. Now, you can be taught how to see it, but it's not instantaneous. So this was the story of Magellan, who was the great explorer arriving on an island and he arrives and everybody goes, oh my God, where have you come from? The islanders, because they'd never seen his boat, a schooner. And he says, I killed off that huge boat. And he, they go, what boat? They'd never seen it. And so they saw him as a magician and this is a deity, a God, which is often the way we've done it, is because we've never seen it before. These, we All we have in our imagination is the idea of 
gods and deities and angels. So we define something that we can't understand as one of those things. Yes? And eventually they called on the medicine man or the magic woman, whichever, and they had a little bit more imagination and they could see the boat and they described it to the islanders until everybody could see it. And this is a similar principle to what you may know as the hundredth monkey event, that one monkey learning something and then passing on the idea until a hundred monkeys were able to do something that had been transported or changed because of one monkey having an imagination. The idea that, wow, I can clean this potato, <laughs> the idea about cleaning a potato and peeling it. So if you have that imagination, you can transform something in a three-dimensional world into a four, through your fourth dimension into a, a new awareness. So that we are doing that all the time. And unfortunately, <laughs> sometimes we're doing it to, the, to our own de detriment. You know, what happens is an event happens, which is you could say is just three-dimensional, but you've already applied to it your own belief systems, which exist in the fourth dimension, that nothing good ever happens to me. And guess what? Nothing good ever happens to you. So this is where the fourth dimension has taken over our minds, our dream state, our imagination, all those things I was talking about last week, where it can literally block us going any further because we immediately apply through our so-called consciousness, our subconsciousness, ah, I've seen this before, this is how it always happens, therefore it's going to happen like this again. And that's where we block ourselves, you know, uh, um, belief that you never get a good job, or oh, there it is, here's a new job coming into my life, but I'm going to pull on that belief, I never get a good job, therefore what do I create out of my imagination? I don't get a good job. So we just keep repeating patterns. So that's why it was so important or is so important is that we learn to literally notice these patterns. We've got to notice them first before we can feel the pain of that and then we can make a choice to change. And as I will repeat, we can't just change them by putting a new thought in there. Can't change the problem at the level it was created, says Einstein. So we have to act as if something is different. I won't go back over everything that I was speaking about last time. But the other way in which we get to that, so one of the things we have to do is grasp the head of the serpent, which we could say, grasp the head of our imagination. What are you doing? <laughs> Where are you taking me? And in our creations, which is really what we've been doing, we've been creating over and over again, but often from not false premise, but premises that don't serve us. Sometimes we actually have to grasp that, that belief and say, okay, I now need to integrate into myself the part of you that keeps telling me that same story. So rather than trying to change it, say, okay, there is a part of me that doesn't believe I'm worthy of, of love. And instead of saying, oh, but I am worthy of love, I am worthy of love as an affirmation, say, instead say, okay, I integrate into my heart the part of me that doesn't feel worthy of love. And then that part says, okay, now you've integrated me. I don't need to keep playing that part. And everything changes. 
So it's really valuable not, as I said, you know, not to get rid of something or try and to change it. Often the transformation comes by accepting, acknowledging. And that's fifth dimensional activity. Fifth dimensional is can I accept into my soul, into my heart, everything that I am? And when I can do that, I find the unity consciousness of the fifth dimension exists within me. So instead of saying, I've changed the world, remember the world is only a reflection of our own processes. The more we integrate and accept into our hearts those things that we, we experience in ourselves in the world, the more we become fifth dimensional beings and the more we encourage others to do the same merely because we're no longer projecting onto them our unfinished business. Told you it was a big subject. I hope that helps you. So what are we accepting? And now I need to kind of expand out of that. And maybe I just want to finish that once we're in that fifth dimensional unity consciousness, where we're saying we've dropped into our hearts, we're out of our heads, and we're saying, I am that I am. I am this being. Every time I drop into my heart, all of that chatter that goes on in my head trying to sort things out disappears because I'm no longer living in a fear of being seen for less than I am or being seen. So in that fifth dimensional awareness, I described it once before as looking into the eyes of a dolphin. And when I swam with the dolphins and I, the dolphin looked in my eye, there was this extraordinary sense of peace and joy because I was seen and known for who I am. I had no need to hide anything. I had no secrets. I was just full of myself. And that's the state of the fifth dimension where you have no secrets, you have no shame, you have no fear because you are who you are. Now, when I talk about no fear, I'm not saying I don't have a fear of, I don't know, if I jump off the top of a mountain, something's going to happen. There is a, a natural anxiety. But I don't have a fear of being seen or found out. I have no secrets. I am the person you see in front of you. And that, I think, is being missed when people talk about that fifth dimension. Often it's, a, it's like a, an elite state Whereas fifth dimension isn't elite, it isn't separation, it isn't about polarity, it's, oh my goodness, I'm another one of you. And that's the unity consciousness, the acceptance of my own diversity and unifying it. And when that happens, all the dimensions start to become apparent to us. So the other dimensions may be associated with light and sound and geometry and and wind, and, and air, and rain. I'm All I'm saying is what it, all these are are higher frequencies of all those things I've just mentioned. So as we move through, as we awaken and integrate that fifth dimension, we find our hearing changes. We're hearing things on different dimensions. And we say, wow, did anybody else hear that? No. Or your smell changes. Well, not your personal smell, the ability to smell. Or you see different colors. Have you noticed this? Or you feel the vibrations of the world around you, the stones, the trees, all those things I often talk about. So that's what happens at that fifth dimension 
is it's not necessarily become more empathic or more psychic. Literally, our knowingness of the world through its frequency, through its harmonics, changes. Okay? And it becomes exciting. It becomes one with you. You may look at a rainbow and you're not just looking at a rainbow. You're hearing the rainbow. You're smelling the rainbow. You're sensing the rainbow. You're seeing the different colors in it. And you're feeling the frequencies and you're like, I'm one with that rainbow. And so that's the joy that comes at that level. The joy of connection, that joy of unity, that joy of recognizing patterns. Patterns in the world, patterns in the trees, patterns in... Oh, everything's a fractal of everything else. And you may well be thinking, where is she going with this? But I'm wanting to recognize that everything is about a level of intuition or psychic awareness, but it's, it's not driven by any fear or concern. It's driven by, oh my goodness, I am connected to everything. So everything is vibrating through me and I am vibrating through everything else. That's intuition. Heart, third eye. Now, that part I'm just going to lay aside for now, and I'm going to come back to who are we and what's happening now. So as far as I can understand, and I have done a lot of reading and research on this, in the beginning on this planet, as the planet, one might say, cooled down and became more accessible and eventual for being able to to actually have any inhabitants on it, there were many civilizations long before humans came. We're reckoning that humans really appeared about 400,000 years ago, and the planet is about 4 billion years old. So there was a lot of space. And so we know that there was a civilization that was purely insect. We know that there's a civilization that was birds. We know there's a civilization that was feline, cat-like. And these civilizations came and gone, and I just am mentioning a few of them. Amoebas, bacteria, you could say all of these have just been civilizations. And so when you see in maybe mythology or uh, museums that I've been going around recently, and you see birds being symbolized, maybe Thoth or the Ibis or different different animals in the Egyptian culture and in the Greek culture and other cultures. And you go, well, they've got a bird head. It's because there were, there are still uh, ancestors of those civilizations here on earth now. Now, some of them moved from my third dimension into the fourth dimension. So they went from being purely physical, I could say third density, and they took on a light, their light body being. They became more etheric, which is really connected to both uh, fourth and fourth, fourth dimension and fourth density. So when we say, okay, we, the birds were seen, or you might see a bird, and I've mentioned this before, when someone dies, a bird often appears. It's really a spirit taking on a bird form to show itself and then disappearing back into the light body it is. And sometimes it is that that spirit can connect to the echo of these ancient civilizations that I'm talking about. And at other times, you may actually physically see them, and then again, they may disappear out again. In other words, around where I live, the insect uh, ETs are very strong here. 
or maybe the bird ones are where you're living, or maybe it may be cats that you're attracted to. So you may find that you're attracted to a certain group of animals or rocks or trees because at some point you've been there. You've been one of those. Maybe it's why I relate very strongly to rocks. I know I've been a rock person at some time, but I also remember being a bird. So you may love cats, but it might be because you have that cat connection that goes back over generations. Does that excite you? I hope it does. Now, what then happened is that what, when humanity was, or it was decided that humanity would be created, 22 different groups, and we're going to stay with the idea of 22. Remember, we have 22 sets of chromosomes. 22 different groups of star beings decided to put their DNA to, together to create what we are now calling a human being. And there are different reasons for that happening. Some of that was said that when that happened, there would be an individual that had free will and that free will would then be very creative in its own right. And I think I'm going to stay with that idea because I believe that each of those star families who decided to put their DNA into what I call myself as a human being, on some level could not evolve beyond where they were except through us transforming their DNA to a higher level. How's that? So my ability to have my fourth dimensional imagination as a transformer was a gift to many of these star groups who couldn't do that without using me as a vessel for that to happen. Okay. <laughs> so in many cultures, and I've heard this, that we are seen as royalty humans because of our ability to transform energy from a third, dense, third dimension through the fourth dimension, using the fourth dimension into the fifth dimension. Now, that doesn't mean that those star systems couldn't reach their own five fifth density themselves or fifth dimension, excuse me, themselves. But there was something about passing it through a human enhance their evolutionary form as well. And I have heard from my spirit guides that being in a human body as just me, my little soul, I can bring about greater evolution and soul development while I'm in a physical form than I can when I no longer have a physical form and I am just a soul. And I've heard that for years. And I, I always say that to people is so many people say, oh, I wish I wasn't in this body. I wish I wasn't on earth. I wish I was gone somewhere else. And I want to just keep reiterating that having a physical body and being on earth, both of which are these amazing alchemical vessels of transformation, is a unique and wonderful experience. And that when we're not in a physical form, and I'm talking about earthly physical form, uh, with this DNA, et cetera, that I'm describing and, and being this alchemical vessel, we cannot make those changes. And it's sensed, and I'm just kind of putting these ideas out, that the 22 
races also needed our vessel, this vessel, which is the human vessel, um, in order to bring about their own transformation. All right. That meant, now you might say, well, who are these 22? We could name them. A lot of people talk about the Lyra constellation being one of the most important, and that includes putting Vega there. Others will talk about, of course, the what we call the Taurus constellation that has Pallades associated with it. Others will call about the Orion constellation, Sirius. Some will call the Reptilian, the Dragonian, uh, the Anunnaki. All of these groups seem to be connected. And they all seem to have had a purpose. But the challenge seems to have come when, when 400-odd years, 1,000 years ago, when they decided, oh, let's create this human form by genetic engineering and then allow souls to use that vessel for transformation as well as use the energy of the soul to transform that particular piece of DNA. When that happened, that human form, let's call my DNA, also got downloaded with any past memories that were within that 20, each of those 22 races. So let's say the Orion group were particularly good at war and had been for, let's say, billions of years, which meant we, we were downloaded with genetic engineering genetic information that involved that, that had knowledge of war, so the warrior in us. Now we might have taken in another part that was of the peace lover uh, and the other one, you know, the compassion, or the, the, the adventurer. So in that 22, we have different faces. Now the Anunnaki were an interesting group in their own right. Many of you have read about them maybe through Sitchin's work. Uh, the idea that they came from a planet called Nibiru that is said to be the planet that keeps coming back and disturbing our atmosphere. And if you've read any of Sitchin's work, and it seems to follow a theme that their original idea was to come onto Earth and to use humans to actually mine gold so they could create the monoatomic gold that I talked about in another podcast. And I heard someone speak about the fact that the reason that they used humans to mine the gold wasn't just as slavery, but because humans had a connection to the earth, they could mine the gold and pass it up to the Anunnaki because if the Anunnaki had mined it for themselves, they would get caught up in the karma of the earth. I kind of like that idea. So there was a time where humans were used to mine gold, but then there came a time with the, the discussions within the Anunnaki, you might know Elil and Enki, who Elil wanted to keep humans at the level that they were, Enki wanted to make them gods. You could say Elil wanted to keep them at the level of the fourth, third dimension, Enki wanted to move them into the fifth, and then the battles began between the two of them. And there was a lot that went on. And we, out of the Anunnaki, became the Nephilim, who were the giants. And the giants that were created by the Anunnaki were, had too much power, too much anger in them, and they often were destroying humanity. And there had to be a lot of genetic engineering by the Anunnaki and by other groups to bring us in the place where we weren't just destroying ourselves and destroying everybody else. And I've read recently that 
Enki is returning. So Enki left when he realized that he that Elil was in control. And Enki, who was, I always said, the kind one who wanted to make us gods, said, I'm out of here, I'm going. But the Enki is now returning and is activating our DNA, one of the, the beings who's activating our DNA to remember who we are. And as Lawrence Gardner talks about, and I think I'm just going to put this piece in, Elil in the Old Testament was always called the Lord God, and Enki was always called Father God. And when Enki was deposed and sent away, you then only see Lord God coming into the Bible, and that went on to become Yahweh and, and, uh, and Jehovah. So Elil has had his way, the Anunnaki DNA within me has had this tendency to make me feel small and I, mustn't, I must be subservient and, and is played upon by authority figures who say, yes, you, you're right down the bottom of the pile, you're never going to make it. But with what's going on in the planet at the moment, and we could say Enki's return and the return of many of these star groups are saying, no, that's only one small part of who you are. And we're not going to let that piece of your DNA run the show anymore. And so we could say that that part of your gene, our gene is being, you know, quietened down, sent to sleep, while other parts of us are being activated. Yay. And this is all happening. I want to get a bigger picture is the magnetic field of the earth, as I say, is very weak, so that we have much more ability to receive the cosmic downloads that are happening through the galactic center. And these rays of photon light, light consciousness, are really the activating field forces that are coming in from, we could especially say, these 22 groups who are saying it's now time for humans to be completely fifth dimensional beings. And we want to help as much. So some DNA, some gen genes are being switched off. Some are being activated. And even if they're not being switched off, it's we can then make better choices. So everything's being activated. Somewhat, may I say, we may see more warlike characters from the Orion genes inside me. But as we're activating the more peaceful ones as well, you might make a choice and say, well, actually, okay, I'm being activated here, but this is much more in harmony with me. So you can't necessarily just choose to which ones you're going to switch off. I believe at this moment, everything's being activated so we can make better choices. Make sense? And what I hear, again, this is uh, from someone I was listening to who was talking about these different dimensions, that the fifth dimensional beings of all these races are waiting for us. Yes, they're asking us to continue to evolve within ourselves, all those genes that live in us, but they are not saying, then you can leave this planet. They're saying, we are ready to walk on this planet with you as fifth dimensional beings. How's that? And Mother Earth, Gaia, is saying, yes, I'm already a fifth dimensional being on one aspect of myself. But what is happening is that even though Mother Earth is 
already considered a fifth dimensional being and all the planets are all fifth dimensional and all we're seeing is their third dimensional echo. What I hear is that this bridge that I talked about last time is being kept open between the third dimension, fourth dimension, fifth dimension. So as many humans as possible can cross that bridge into the fifth dimension. So even though all the other planets around our solar system are already fifth dimensional, that's what we understand. And again, what all we're seeing with the telescope is its third dimensional echo. And even though Gaia, Mother Earth, is already reaching, reached on some level her fifth dim dimension, she's keeping this bridge open. And the bridge is being kept open not because of this loneliness of a human being, but because of the amazing job we are doing by transforming ourselves, awakening all our genes, we literally are changing those 22 other races that are within our bodies at this time, within our consciousness. Let's not just say our bodies. How's that? So our job is not just about my little ego, my little soul, awakening Everything that I am doing using the energy, the alchemical vessel, the, the power that exists within Gaia, within my body, everything I'm doing is changing the cosmos. And we are being cheered on, not because we're lowly beings, but because nobody else can do it as well as we can. There. I think I am complete. I want you to understand there, is, there are options in our life. All those genes have different faces. So I accept within myself my warrior nature, my Orion nature. I may accept, or I accept inside myself my reptilian nature. I accept within myself my subservient nature. The more we accept them, but do not let them rule us. And we say, except in part of me, that part is awakened, but it does not need to control. And that's what we understand by genetic makeup. We may have genes for many different illnesses, but until we give it power and focus on it, that, that can remain in its sleeping state, but not deactivated. It's much more of like, okay, we're not using that today. That's what's important. So we come together as a whole. And I want to say, and I feel strongly about this, that the reptilian brain, which often gets such bad press, you may know it's the base, that, you know, it's the base of our skull. It's, it's what controls all our activities. It's often seen as the survival part of our brain uh, and therefore seen as negative. But I believe my reptilian brain is the part of me that connects to all life, all vibration. And that it is that emotional body of my brain, the part of me that has all those emotions, that fourth dimensional side of my brain that keeps me running around in circles, which is the piece that needs to quieten down. And when that happens, we see the brainwave patterns crossing the cerebral hemispheres crossing the cerebellum. We live in this much more gamma state of brainwave, which connects us to our intuition, which connects us to our heart, 
and connect us to all those dimensions. So let's not see snakes and dragons as negative. Let's see them as a state of being that can be manipulated, can be changed, but in its purest form is this carries the energy of light and potential. And with that, I leave you until next week. As I say, if you have any questions, let me know. But I hope I'm inspiring you to know that you are royalty, you are special, and you're already one with the divine source of allness. Until then, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on Christine's channel on YouTube and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heart Speak.